Welcome everyone to Decoding Debbie episode 19. I am Brandon Hay and you can find me at HayB3. I'm glad to welcome uh, Corey to the show. You can find him on Twitter at FF underscore guitarist. So Corey, thanks for joining. I appreciate it, Brandon. I've uh, been uh, looking forward to finally getting on with you. I've been watching your stuff for quite a while now, and uh, nice to see you grow in this community too. I remember when you were just kind of a little pup; you didn't even have that many followers, and now you're you got like double the followers I do, man. I don't know what's going on here, but I don't know who you're paying, but I gotta I gotta start paying them too. I think, but no, I, I'm pumped to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So, um, just tell everyone, you know, where they can find you and like what all you you're working on currently. Oh, uh, yeah, you can find me over at uh, campuscanton.com. Um, we're over there, you know, kind of hitting all three levels of the college scene with um, college fantasy, Devi leagues, and uh, campus Canton leagues. Um, got great teams over there doing everything. Uh, we're kind of working right now behind the scenes on a couple of guides. We put out the supplemental uh, freshman guide for UC2C players out there. Um, to help you with those supplemental drafts that are hard to navigate. Um, we're working behind the scenes on a Devi guide right now. It's going to help you attack those drafts coming up. Um, I know the college guys are also working on a college guide, so you're getting a ton of work there. Um, I'm also a team member of the uh, Devi Deep Dive uh, dashboard. Um, really great guy there. Brandon Lejeune, I've loved working with him. been with him for a couple of years now. Uh, we're constantly just putting out videos and stuff. We just released a, a top uh, buys and sellers. Or not sell, sells is still coming out, but top buys for the year for Devi. Uh, six players you can maybe get at a value right now that we kind of expect to climb. So head over to YouTube and look up the uh, Devi Deep Dive uh, YouTube channel and you can find me there. Yeah, I will second that because I'm a part of that community also. And it's great. You know, it's a, just a small, um, I don't remember how much it actually is, but it's, it's a small amount and you get the great, you know, uh, Slack with, you know, asking all the questions, not only just Devi, but NFL wise. And then, you know, all the videos and everything, all the, uh, film breakdowns and all the rankings it's great so i would uh recommend um you know uh trying to get a part of that community i think all you guys do a great great job with that so um so yeah so uh, i want to do this the week of um the nfl draft uh i finally finished up all my rankings so i wanted to have you on here because you're someone i respect also you know i'm glad to have you on with the rankings and everything we've had really good discussions before you helped me out, you know, on the um, film evalu evaluation um, before. So, um, you know, can kind of release those. But uh, before we start that, when you rank the pros prospects by position, um, what strategy do you really use? I know different um, people do use different things. Some think, you know, how talented they are right now, what they could do just, you know, on the field right today, maybe the most potential. Um, I know call, I know I talked to Colin and he um, put someone number one because he thought that they would have the best overall career. Um, so what what kind of strategy do you do you use for your rankings? Yeah, to be honest, I don't want it to sound like a cop out answer either, but I'm kind of all over the place. And really, I kind of go with a tier based uh, attack right now. So like in my top tier, we're looking at even a guy like Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks being at the top. Right. And this is kind of like having the safety in a guy like Garrett Burke or uh, Garrett Wilson, who I think is probably ready to get on the field in day one. Uh, or you're looking at a guy with upside like Traylon Burks, who despite the testing, I don't care, we'll get into that after. Um, I think he has a ton of upside, but he's incredibly raw. So you kind of have to judge how much risk you're willing to take. You know, it kind of uh, comes down to assessing the roster, your roster as well. And that's why I kind of put them into tiers. So you kind of have that option to either go, am I going to go safe or am I going to go risky here? You know, am, am I solid enough at the position to take a riskier upside shot? Uh, do I need someone to fill that spot ASAP to really complete this, this, this uh, contending roster? So really in the top to mid 
ish area. I kind of have a mix of both in those tiers. Um, but the deeper I get, uh, I'm typically shooting for upside. You know, sometimes maybe a guy I just really liked on film, something I kind of have uh, somebody I have an attachment to or whatever. But once you really start getting to the third round of those rookie drafts, it, it's really a, a crapshoot, you know. And I'm, I'm, you're really ranking on fantasy value, guys who are you, you're going to see start for your team, or you want to shoot for guys who are going to develop into guys who can do that. I mean – a guy who sits on a roster forever, but never puts up crazy numbers and never starts for you, isn't going to do you any good. So, you know, I, I do take what the NFL says um, very seriously too. When, when, when players are trending, uh, when, when guys in the industry like Daniel Jeremiah or whoever are, are talking about uh, guys that are rising in a draft guys, we didn't expect. And, and where the NFL's trending at positions, guys like separation artists at wide receiver quarterbacks with multiple tools, you know, so, so those change my idea for ranking as well, where I'm trying to figure out the guys who the NFL want as well. And the ones who are going to take the guys highly. So you know, I take all these things into account when I rank and, and yeah, I, I have to adjust my process as it goes. Uh, definitely. Yeah. So in, when you do your rankings, you're doing it based solely on fantasy value. Is, is that how you do it? Yeah, generally I'm, I'm generally thinking sometimes I have a hard time separating it because I do think there's guys who can be really good on the NFL level. So maybe as the lower you go, I might, but at the top, I'm solely thinking of fantasy. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I guess most of my rankings are very similar in that, that, you know, I kind of look how they would relate into the NFL, but you know, most of those, if you rate them highly, they're going to be good fantasy players too. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it kind of goes in hand in hand. I, I guess the one position that'll be a little different is tight end. Because, you know, and we'll talk about that. You like a couple guys that look, you know, are more on the receiving side than necessarily great blockers. But, you know, to get on the field as tight end, you know, you have to be a good blocker. So there's some that I might rate a little higher than that. So, um, yeah, we kind of talked about this uh, pre-show. Want to get your opinion. This is truly a Malik Willis slash Jalen Hurts question. You know, um, it's so the main thing is those quarterbacks with the high rushing ability – the que- that are not very accurate. The question is, can they? How long will they stay the starter? So you might get those elite couple years, like we said, top eight finishes for someone like Jalen Hurts or even a Malik Willis, or have a quarterback that doesn't necessarily have that high ceiling, but he's going to be a starter longer. You know, five to seven years. You know, top fifteen uh, quarter- quarterback. Um, I think I'm in the minority because I want the guy that I feel more comfortable is going to start for a longer period of time in dynasty, but I get the part about getting those uh, elite players that are going to get that, those um, elite stats and those elite points, you know, those first couple of years. So what, uh, what is your kind of uh, opinion or strategy with that? I mean, I think you always want the longer lasting asset, regardless, that's what you're always shooting for. But I think, you know, a lot of the time, that's what you're hoping for when you rank guys highly or whatever anyways. Like, is it a foregone conclusion that a guy like Jalen Hurts is done after two or three years? I know his, I know his value is kind of shaky right now, but who knows? Maybe we could see a three-year lead from him. I don't know. I'm not banking on that just yet, but I'm not ready to only call him a two- to three-year guy. Um, he's got some upside if he puts it all together, you know, um, I don't think he's quite as gifted as somebody like Malik Willis in, in the tool department, um, but who really knows what's going to happen? I mean, um, it, it's really about uh, how much you're willing to take an acceptable amount of risk to this goes back to roster construction. If you have the chance, if you have, you're a little deeper at quarterback, which mainly none of us are, but if you have, you know, at least three good starting options or something, maybe you can take a riskier option with somebody who might la- or who has a little bit of a higher ceiling, like Malik Willis, if he puts it all together, 
Um, and, I, and I'm of the thinking that when you're playing Dynasty, it should really be in two, three-year intervals. That's when a lot of guys' primes are. That's when you can really assess your roster. A good running back really lasts about three years. So if you have that complete roster, then I want the guy who's going to give me some elite production at the top. And I might be the guy who's going to go for the guy for top eight finishes and the guy who has some rushing ability. No, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I think you're right. It, it depends on your risk, what risk you would like to do. Because, you know, like in, in the rookie months I've done, it's pretty much Brees Hall and Malik Willis going one, you know, one and two. Um, and then, you know, everyone else. So I don't have a lot in, at least in the top two picks, you know, my diocese, but I just don't Humble brag. <laughs> uh, no, it's bad. Some, you know, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes I like just miss the playoffs, so I don't get the good pick, and I yeah. didn't make the playoffs. So, um, but yeah, I don't necessarily know if I would take Malik Willis that high, but I totally understand why people are doing it because you see, you know. So let's just get into the quarterbacks. So let me uh, put it up on the screen. So here we go. We have, you know, so I have Matt Corral as um, number one. You have Malik Willis, which a lot of people kind of do. Um, I guess I'm a little higher on Sam Hall and Kenny Pickett. And um, we both have Ritter the same place, Carson Strong. And then I think everyone after that, it's just like a backup. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, you know, whatever. I don't see much upside. Um, I kind of like what I saw from LB a little bit, but I just think there's so much development. I can't, I can't, you know, expect him to make that huge leap. You know, he would be like a tattoo squad. Uh, maybe even a, un, you know undrafted in fantasy drafts that you might pick up if you have a spot. But so, what made you um, what made you put Willis over Corral? Is it just that rushing ability? Uh, that's part of it, and I think that again, this is here right at the top when I, where I was talking about tiers before. And really, I love Matt Corral too. He graded out as a much better arm talent to me. Um, uh, so Willis is almost like my riskier upside shot and Matt Corral's the guy I'm going to take if I'm kind of feeling safe. Um, I mean, let's be honest, like Malik is, is far from a perfect prospect, um, played lower level of competition, struggled against tougher teams. Um, there was even a bad things that like I, in my notes, you know, a guy who's a little bit skittish in the pocket, uh, tends to back up. Like, I don't know if you ever, if you're a Madden guy or if you play Madden, uh, but you always play those kind of guys who, when they're waiting for a receiver to be open, they just back up. They consistently back up. They have no pocket presence whatsoever. Sometimes I found that in Malik Willis's tape and he just back up and took like major sacks. Like his team was like near the bottom of the college rankings and in, in sacks allowed and stuff like that. So, I mean, like it's, he makes some bonehead decisions. He's got some messy turnovers, but I mean, that's the bad, right? There's a lot like to like here too. Um, uh, the dynamic rushing ability, like we talked about it, he really has the best package of rushing ability out of in the, this entire top half right here. Um, almost went for a thousand yards past two season, uh, including all the yardage from, uh, from all the lost sacks, uh, had PFS highest rushing grade for non-quarterbacks forced the second most missed tackles in the country with 86, which is only three less than Kenneth Walker, which is just like, so he's elusive. He has his dynamic rushing ability. He's got the powerful arm that can kind of make throws, even though he's inconsistent, he has the arm. So he has the, these tools, right? And this is what the NFL is really trending towards. I mean, um, like we were talking before, I wasn't a big fan of Jalen Hurts. I wasn't even that big of a fan of, J of Lamar. Mar Jackson coming out. He wasn't even that great of a passer, but, but they brought these tools that the NFL wanted to mold. They become, you know, viable starters in fantasy. Lamar's even a superstar right now. I mean, even Trey Lance last year was, 
was he an elite prospect? He kind of came out of nowhere, uh, played in a super low level of competition, only had the one year of starting, but he had those tools that like the NFL really wanted, right? Teams are tailoring their their offenses to these guys now, like Malik Willis. So it's kind of a little bit of an easier transition, hopefully, for these guys. And by all accounts, he's headed for an early first round pick. So, I mean, I take that seriously. He's going to get a lot of rope in the NFL to kind of learn, uh, mold those tools he has. And honestly, if he goes that high, especially if he goes top 10, I really think that you'd be doing yourself a disservice not to consider him as your first quarterback coming. I agree with that. I'm glad you brought up a lot of those points. A lot of the things I saw in this game, and I'll be the first, you know, I'm not a huge Malik Willis fan, um, but there are throws every game that I totally get why he's this, you know, you know, potential, you know, elite, you know, possible player. Like even the Syracuse game where they lost, there's three throws where he threw like complete dimes, like deep down the field. He has that. And when everyone was talking about, you know, how he looked, you know, um, you know, during the senior bowl and then on his pro day. And that's the thing. I know he's going to do that because he's a physically gifted athlete. He has the arm. You know, in shorts, he's going to be able to throw it like 70 yards and do all that. My And my thing was always what he does in the game. I think sometimes, like you said, his pocket pre- – for a running mobile quarterback, his pocket presence is not very good. Uh, and also, um, he has trouble with read sometimes. Um, but all these, all these quarterbacks kind of are probably going to have that. So I can't really hold that against him. But um, I, if he does go top 10 like you were talking – are you worried that a team is going to rush him in there if they pick? You know, because obviously he's picked in the top 10. Those teams aren't good. That's my worry. I'd like him to go somewhere where he doesn't necessarily have to play right away. I worry if he gets pushed in there, um, he's not going to be able to develop. Uh, you know, if it's a, something like a Lamar situation where he plays near the end of the first season, I think that would be fine. But if he starts opening day, that's where I would worry they would kind of you know, maybe – you know, his development wouldn't be there. And some of those quarterbacks that started early, um, they never really recovered from, you know, the, those bad starts. Yeah, I think ideally you kind of would hope that he would be able to sit behind someone good um, or, or so a, a good veteran that could teach him the ropes, teach him how to practice properly, teach him how to build his game up properly, especially in the passing game or find himself as a passer. But I also am a strong believer in learning on the field is kind of the best way. And as long as you're a team that can, is ready to take its lumps, um, you're not like expecting him to come out and put you in the playoffs right away. That you're and you'll tailor your offense towards him and his strengths. You know, playing out of the shotgun more, uh, playing where you move him out of the pocket, out of structure, um, giving him one half of the field reads for the first little bit. Like Lamar in the beginning. I mean, even Lamar is still developing as a passer. He's still taking time to kind of come out of his shell around there right now. So, um, I mean, I th- I think I'd be okay. If he's starting day one, because I, I would hope that the team has it has it in their mind that uh, that they're doing those things, that they're tailoring the offense and all that. But but I'm kind of like you. I'd like to see him more learn behind a nice veteran, learn the practice properly, learn to to hone his craft properly, and then maybe halfway through the year, if the team is still stinking it up, why not get him in there and just let him do what he can do? Yeah, and I also you know some people had, you know earlier in the year were talking about him being the Nets Lamar, where he's the Nets Michael Vick. I don't think he's type that type of player. I do think he really reminds me a lot of Vince Young um, and how he kind of runs. And I think he could be successful even if he's not a great passer because Vince Young had those first couple years where, you know, he could just run the ball a little bit. They could run the ball. He could pass well enough, you know, and kind of manufacture wins that way. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I think if he does start early, like you're saying, I don't think he would be necessarily a total train wreck. Um, it's really, to me, he needs to go under someone. Like, I don't, you know, I would like Corral to go to the Giants, but I think Malik Willis there too. I think they could, you know, they did the same type of things with Josh Allen, you know, or coaching Brian DeBowles did that. So I think they could possibly do that. But um, yeah, and my question too is not really people um, are putting, you know, Malik Willis farther down because, you know, he played a lower competition. He didn't read defense as well, but they're bringing up with Matt Corral. They're worried about him and that, you know, RPO system, everything. But I mean, Malik Willis is probably going to use a lot of RPO in the NFL too. So if the, you know, if a team takes Corral, I would think they're going to play some of that also. It's just uh, interesting to me that Corral seems to have fallen so far. Maybe it's just a smoke screen by all these NFL teams, but I haven't really heard much about him um, leading up to the draft. Yeah, and I really know why either because he, he's actually one of my favorites in this class too. Um, a lot of people were afraid about the size because people were worried he was more on that six foot, 200 pounds, but, um, he hit that six, one, 212 pounds, which is exactly what you want to see. He's not even that far off from Willis at this point. Um, but that was mainly what a lot of people were afraid of. Um, he checks those production boxes you want to see or over 3,800 yards the past two years, um, over 30 touchdowns in each of the past two years too. uh, People want to point to those those intercepts. He was kind of a gunslinger a lot earlier in his career too, right? He kind of had uh, that shaky year 2020 where he threw a lot of interceptions, like 14 interceptions, like five or six in one game at a time. He had a, that tendency to play a lot of hero ball, unfortunately, but um, it's actually pretty crazy, six, five interceptions. But uh, again, 14 interceptions, and two of them came in two games where he was losing and just trying to find a way to win. Um he really corrected that going into like this year, played a lot smarter ball, protected the football. I think he only threw five interceptions through the whole season. Maybe he wasn't as flashy as his 2020 season. Um, but I still think he was, he, he was lights out. I think he has the best arm talent in his class. He can make those off platform throws that everybody's in love with right now. He can make plays on the move. He can throw it with pinpoint accuracy, something that Willis doesn't always have the best thing or doesn't always do the best. Uh, he's got a rocket arm too for his size. Um, he plays with that moxie, you know, I love, I love his like attitude, you know, my running comp for him, like almost all off season ha has kind of been a 2.0. So better 2.0 sec version of Zach Wilson. Cause Zach Wilson kind of did those things last year too, moving off and, and tossing it all over the place, kind of played in that RPO system too. So I kind of see some, some similarities there with the, with the natural arm talent. And like you said, there's going to be that offensive transition. I think um, he barely ran any three to five or five stop uh, five step drops. He wasn't a guy taking the ball under center. It's all RPO. It's all quick read. It's all, sometimes it's only reading half the field. So, I mean, there's going to be some transition, but like you said, there, these, these teams are, are starting to incorporate a lot more college offenses into the NFL because it makes the transition easier for a lot of these guys too. And they're expecting these guys to play a lot earlier than they ever played for before. Um, and the draft stock actually, like from what I've been hearing, seems to be trending in his favor a little bit. Um, some of the draft podcasts I've been listening to, like Daniel Jeremiah is a guy I always listen to. He was just mentioning how he's climbing up to second on the board. Uh, Josh Norris, too. He was saying that he wouldn't be surprised if Matt Corral is actually the first quarterback taken. So I'm not even totally out on him being the first quarterback taken. If there's enough people that see see some negatives in Malik Willis's game. Um, but I really do think that he's going to be a first round dynasty pick uh, after this draft and probably a mid one at that point. So yeah, um, before we get into the other quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks do you expect or do you think are going to go in that first round? I know it's been all of, this year. I think it's been so crazy all over board. Some people think only two, some people mm -hmm. think there's four or five. 
I mean, I could see that many, but it's I just really cannot get a read on how they feel about, you know, I guess Kenny Pickett has been pretty high on like the Saints board. Um, so we can talk about him later, but how many um, do you think will really go in the first round? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, I've, I got to study like the draft order more, but again, again, everybody can move around and do whatever. Um, really like I'm setting the number at like three because I think Malik and I think Kenny, and then I think Matt Corral, I think those are the three guys that I feel really solid about with the buzz you're hearing and stuff like that, that they're going to be first round draft picks. Maybe Ritter sneaks in there. He's got a little bit of buzz right now going off and on for some reason, the NFL just doesn't seem to love Howell as much, which I don't even understand. I don't, I mean, you can get your take on it too. You've got him at second. I've got him at third and I still really like him too. Guy who had amazing production through all these last seasons, um, really took it upon himself to win last year when he lost those weapons, became more of a rushing threat, showed that rushing ability as well. It wasn't not super speedy kind of guy, but, but I appreciated the grittiness. I liked that he found alternate ways to win because he was lacking some weapons outside of Josh Downs and nobody was really stepping up for him. So I, I kind of like this scrappy kitty and he checks all the boxes. So I don't really understand why he's not being talked about more as a first round pick, but uh, he's the guy that I think is probably going to sign slide into the second. So I'm setting the number at three, I think right now. Yeah. And <clears throat> I wanted to bring this up about Corral and how um, I think both of them obviously have to tailor their games. They can't run like they did in college last year especially Sam Howell, where he'd be taking on middle linebackers. You mm -hmm. can't do the NFL. Um, and Corral, I think he just needs to get down more um, because you saw midseason when he started getting more injured, he wasn't as productive and efficient. So he's one, you know, that um, both of them. But I think, too, now, if – obviously you want a quarterback to go in the first round, but I think if they go in the first or second round, to me that doesn't change my mind too much about, you know, if I still like them. Like if you said if Hal goes in the second round, I'm still fine with him. Same with same with Ritter. Um, I at first I did not like Ritter, um, but I watched some tape and there's a lot of things I like about what he can do. Um, I think a lot of the things that he struggles with consistency, you know, and accuracy. I think it's more of a, you know um, his feet and kind of that you know a technique. So I think if he gets with a good quarterback coach, he could fits that. And like you said, with the running ability. And everything, I think someone's going to fall in love with him, and I could see him sneaking into late first round or going early in the second. Yeah, I can see that too. And and he's just uh, he's just a winner, right? He's been a guy who's been winning a, for a crazy amount of time now. Um, I think he's what lost two games in the last two seasons. Um, and you, you were talking to me earlier about, or I think in a message, anyways, that uh, that Ritter had jumped strong for you. And to be honest, for me, I've been there like the whole time. You know, the lack of love for NFL on, on Carson Strong has been pretty pretty loud. He didn't even get very good reports out of the Senior Bowl when he was there. He didn't get any of that stuff. Um, and Ritter just has the things people are looking for. He's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the mobility. He's got the tools that, that the NFL is looking for nowadays. And, and like you said, it's it's not a lie that he's had, like, extremely head-scratching moments, uh, periods of inaccuracy, uh, really make you question the evaluation sometimes when you're watching some of these games. But he's, that's kind of been what Ritter's been this whole time is just – an inconsistent player who shows these flashes of like brilliance though. Um, I think that if he gets it into the right room with the right coaches, you know, somewhere like a new Orleans, even though they're having a whole regime change right now anyways, but anywhere really, if he can mold those tools properly, it's kind of the same thing with Willis. This is just like the discount Willis a little bit lower now in your draft. Yeah. Levels. yeah. But, but yeah, you just hope that he can mold his tools into the guy you, you see the flashes of. I actually was thinking if the Lions decide not to go quarterback their first two picks, their first two first rounds, 
they get him in the second, I wouldn't hate that because he could sit behind Goff for like another year. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he's kind of like that tough, gritty player that they're like, try, they're trying to mold their team around. So I would not hate that. And with the Carson Strong, I've been a Carson Strong fan this last year, mostly because I got him in a lot of CTC leagues. So he helped <laughs> me a lot there. Um, and I love quarterbacks that can throw um, receivers open and hit them in stride, which Strong is very good at that. But um, yeah, his mobility is just not very, not very good. Even you know healing a little bit, and yeah, there seems to be no, no hype. It's not you know. I thought it might be kind of a Matt Jones um, situation where you know a guy that's not very um, you know run heavy that he might start creeping up, but uh, we've not heard anything like that. So he might even drop to the third round, which would be worrisome depending on you know what team he goes to. Yeah, and for me, Carson Strong right there in my rankings, that's kind of the line that I cut right there where almost guys that I'm even willing to consider in Dynasty. I do like Zappy a little bit, you know, really moxie kid who, who uh, tied the NCAA record for touchdowns, I think, last year, playing at Western Kentucky in that 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 high-octane uh, offense, uh, played behind one of the best offensive lines in the whole class, too, or in, the whole, in all of college, actually, so... Um, yeah, I, I really like that kid too. I think he may, might be a backup somewhere, but right, right at Carson Strong's kind of where I kind of cut it off too. And I do like Carson a little bit as well. Um, showed a ridiculous arm on tape, uh, rifling those balls in 25, 30 yards down the field into tight ass windows. Like I'm sure you've seen the clips. We've all seen the clips. Um, so, and quick release. He's mechanically very sound. He, he's a pure pocket quarterback, but you can't escape the kind of statuesque thing that he is now in the pocket this is a guy who uh, minus 305 yards rushing in his entire college career um with all the sacks he's taken um occasionally i noticed he would lock onto his receiver and he just took way too many sacks because of that lack of mobility and it could be because of the knee injury um surgically repaired knee that people are kind of pointing towards there hasn't been much to come out about it. a lot of people were looking for those medicals to see if something was going to come out about that knee everything looks okay for now um, but uh, it's really hampered his ability to be mobile in the pocket. Definitely. And, you know, even if that knee's getting better, you're always going to worry about, you know, just one hit kind of taking him, him back. And, you know, the NFL teams are going to worry about that. And, I mean, we've seen, you know, it's kind of like Brady's not overly mobile, but he's, like, amazing at, you know, moving in the pocket and everything like that. So what you're really asking for Carson Strong to make it NFL is, like, be perfect of – maneuvering in the pocket and I think that's just a lot to ask where these other quarterbacks have more room for air because they can run um even Pickett only the since he only had like 200 yards rushing but he had he shows ability to do that um before we move on from the quarterbacks what is your concerns about Pickett is it just the um you know you just don't see um as much you know arm talent as the other guys are worried that he just had that one big year um that's my biggest worry with him yeah, I think this is a guy who, well, I think uh, he never threw for over 3,100 yards in any year. Never threw over 13 touchdowns in any year. He had 24 interceptions to 38 touchdowns, all up until this last final year. And then all of a sudden he blows up and he just like has this amazing year, 4,000 yards, uh, throws more touchdowns than he ever threw in his career. And you know, you kind of wonder, you like, what what exactly happened? Did Jordan was Jordan Addison a big part of that? Um, I, it, it throws a red flag a little bit into his profile for me. And like you said, he does kind of just seem like that all over around good quarterback, but maybe doesn't bring anything elite. He doesn't possess the same arm as a lot of guys in this class. 
Um, his, his, he tested decently as a, as a, a rusher. He kind of had a little bit of that ability. Everybody has seen the fake slide. I'm sure that that kind of got banned in the NCAA um, last year. Uh, 4.73 40-yard dash, you know, 75th percentile, which isn't too, too bad. 33-inch vert, throws the ball well. Um, the hands are a little small as well. I mean, everybody's talked about that. So you kind of wonder how he's going to do in maybe a cold weather situation or wet ball situation, although he hasn't really struggled to this point, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, he had a great year last year. Second most yards in the ACC, threw the most touchdowns in the ACC, second highest PFF quarterback grade. So I think I have him ranked okay. I don't think that he brings anything elite. I could see him just being a Mac Jones on the next level too, somebody who does get a starting job. The NFL seems to love him. Everybody, He's been talked about consistently as a first-round pick since like this whole draft process started. So who am I really to, to tell every, to tell these guys that they're wrong anymore? I got to accept the fact that they're viewing him like this. And uh, I'm just going to put him, I, I put him there. I feel good about him there and uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, if he can keep building and be this guy he was in his final season, then, then maybe we struck gold. Yeah, definitely. So let's move on to the running backs. Our uh, top four is the, you know, the same. I think, um, I think the whole Isaiah Spiller thing is super weird to me because going into this year, everyone wanted to say, you know, put Spiller, you know, a lot of people wanted to put Spiller over Brees Hall and I just never saw it. And now we see he's even dropping, you know, third because of some of his testing and, you know, his pro day. But I think it's gone a little too far. Um, I I still think there's a gap between him uh, and Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall, but I think there's a gap after him too. So I think he's going to be a fine back, but maybe not meet the expectations that a lot of people had for him uh, coming into the process. No, I agree with you 100%. I do think uh, that a lot of it was an initial reaction. Uh, I do think the waters have cooled a little bit and people are slowly kind of starting to return to the original uh, evaluation that we all had on him. But I mean, let's face it. If you watched Spiller in college, you became a fan. There was no way you could think he was going to blow anybody out of the way with what with testing, right? You had to come back to that original evaluation and realize, okay, I never thought he was going to do that anyways. And that doesn't mean that he's a bad back either. I mean, he checks a lot of boxes between the sec production, the size receiving thresholds. Um, you know, he, he just is a subpar athlete in comparison, but there's been been plenty of slower backs in the NFL to do just fine. Guys who have tested over four six, you know, your Mark Ingrams, your, your Kareem Hunts, your all that. Um, I, I think Spiller improved year to year. Uh, I thought his burst improved, his footwork improved. Um, he got better against worse competition. Uh, you even look at like the Bama game last year. I thought he looked pretty good. Good patience. He, he got to show off his receiving chops a little bit in that game. You know, is he a natural receiver? Uh, maybe not. Uh, let's get into his body sometimes, but he, he gets the job done. You know, I, I don't think at the end of the day that Spiller should be outside of your top three. Um, when he came in, when, when we started this process, I did have him at two. Uh, I've switched them with Kenneth Walker right now. I think a big thing with Kenneth Walker with me was the size. I was very concerned that he was closer to 200 pounds because he doesn't look that big on tape, uh, but we'll get more into him after or whatever if we do. But uh, after seeing the testing and everything like that, I was comfortable moving Spiller at least one spot down, but I'm totally with you. There's a tear break right there and drops down way further after that. They're those three other top guys that I feel could possibly be assets to your dynasty team right out the gate. <clears throat> Definitely. I've seen Spiller kind of fall more to the end of the first round. And for any of those leads where I have, you know, the 111, 112, I'd be completely happy getting Isaiah Spiller late in the first, depending on, you know, what, what wide receivers are still there. Um, because I think he could be, you know, the lead back on a team. And I think he's, you know, good enough in pa pass pro and he can receive it out of the backfield. One thing with him, uh, what I saw is just 
the consistency, he wasn't always there. Like sometimes he would carry like two defenders, 10 yards. Then sometimes he'd get like tripped up, you know, in the backfield. Just need to see more consistency, a little upright sometimes, mm-hmm. um, work on that a little bit. But I, I mean, I think you see a lot, you know, I think he could, if he gets all that fixed, you know, he could with his size, you know, he could be, you know, very good. Um, you know, he might drop to the third round. I, mean, I, I wouldn't, that's another thing. How many running backs do you expect to go rounds one through three? Oh man, that's a tough question. I mean, uh, we'll get into some of these other guys later, but there has been some good buzz about some of the Georgia backs. Um, the guys that we have ranking at the top a little bit, Jerome Ford, Rashad White, that the NFL the, does not seem to be buzzing about them as much. I wouldn't be surprised if they're day three picks. Um, you're maybe looking at Brian Robinson as, as a day two pick, but it, within these first two days, the only guys I'm banking on are those three, especially with the devalue of the running backs lately. Um, I do think that in the third, we might see like a pickup, you know, maybe once those three gone guy, people start getting a little bit nervous. And maybe you see somebody go for a Zamir White or a James Cook who are who NFL seems to have ranked super highly for some reason. Um, so right now I'm just banking on those three. Yeah. And um, I know kind of analytic, you know, analytics have looked at, you know, if you're outside the first three rounds, you know, it's not the, the hit rate on running backs. I do wonder if we need to shift that maybe to include the fourth round now, since they are devaluing running backs and, you know, they're not going first round most likely. So it kind of cuts a round out. So, you know, kind of like a Michael Carter last year, he went early in the fourth. So I think at least maybe that half of, you know, first half of that fourth round might be show um, a couple more hits than, you know, in the past. Um, So you brought it up. So, um, the two Georgia bats, are you just kind of higher on them because the, they're getting the most buzz of the NFL or are there things that you see that you really like in their game above some of the other uh, running bats? I mean, that's part of it too. I said that, that I do include that in my process as well, but I mean, I'll start by clarifying that I am a Georgia's Bulldogs fan. I'm not a hardcore, like a lot of other people. I'm from Canada. I just chose a team and attached myself to them. Okay. This was like, during Nick Chubb's freshman season is when I really attached myself to them. And I've just been a fan ever since. So maybe sometimes I am looking at it through black and red glasses sometimes, but um, I mean, even starting with Zamir, um, he's obviously a little higher for me than you. Um, I mean, really it's a crapshoot after the top three or so, but I, but I really enjoyed watching him kind of fight back from, from the back-to-back ACL injuries. I mean, if you look at his tape as a junior, uh, he just wasn't very dynamic after losing those first two years to the ACLs. You could tell that he wasn't trusting his knees. He was more of like a straight line runner. Uh, didn't show a lot of bursts. He, there was just a lot of hesitation in his running style. So I got, uh, I was really disappointed after that. I didn't think he was ever going to return. Um, but then if you watch it this last year, I saw a lot of lateral improvement um, throughout his senior year. Um, you know, he wasn't going to be the kind of guy who was going to string together a bunch of moves, but he had really nice adjustments at the line of scrimmage, showed some sharp cuts, got away from guys, good instincts to find his hole, pick up additional yardage, bounce off of tacklers. And, and and really that's kind of the big a big thing to me personally is those zero to five yard gains and deciphering the line early at the line of scrimmage because that's a majority of what your NFL career is going to be is being able to consistently pick up three to four yards, five yards, be able to read the line and find your hole. Breaking big runs is fun. Seeing those guys break huge runs, that's fun. But that doesn't always happen. You need to be able to pick up those those short chunks. And if I'm a coach and I can trust you to pick up four yards every carry, I'm going to give you the ball every time because I'm going to get first downs and get a touchdown, right? But I know that it doesn't always necessarily work that way. But this is one of the things I really liked with Zamir was the way he dissected at the line of scrimmage. Um, 
you know, he showcased the contact balance, ran through a good amount of arm tackles and surprising testing at the combine, the low four, four speed. Um, so he checks the box with size. He has crazy pedigree. He was the number one ranked high school recruit uh, in his class, which was, I think, I don't even remember at this point, 2018 or 2017. I don't even know what, whatever he came out. Um, so he was a number one guy. He has that crazy pedigree. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at him because from Georgia, got a lot of national attention being the national champions and, at the end of the day, I really just think he's a fun story to root for. Um, I expect him to continue to look better the further he is away from those ACLs. You look at like Nick Chubb, who had that gruesome Nick, uh, knee injury, and nobody ever really thought he was going to return. Even he had questions coming into the combine, but he's consistently gotten better year after year after year. And I think that that's because you start to trust your knee more, it gets better. Everybody kind of recovers at different times. So I kind of think he has that. Uh, I expect him to continue to get better at the next level as well. Um and, and yeah, like you said, the NFL buzz, I see a lot of people talking about him in, in things. And I also see a lot of people talking about James Cook, who I was like completely off of when I first came into this. And there's a lot of things that I don't do. I don't do under 200 pound backs. I don't do backs that are just that I purely see as change of pace guys catching the ball, um, you know, given his size, given those strengths. I I, I thought he was going to come in more around 180 pounds, too. So he was at 200 or 199 or whatever, which is a lot better than I like to see. But then I see these NFL guys having them in his top five, their top five rankings. And, and, and Bucky Brooks of NFL has him in his top five. And I'm like, what do I got to go back and see here? So, so I went back, I hit the tape. I finally sat down, reviewed all these games. And I did see a lot of improvement from my earlier evaluation from his earlier seasons where I kind of thought he struggled in between the tackles. He wasn't a good runner. I thought his upside was purely James White. I even thought maybe even Theo Riddick was going to be who he was at the next level. Um, but, but he honestly showed good footwork. He was quick. He was decisive. He was instinctual in between the tackles and that was huge i wanted to see a lot of that improvement as well he tested pretty well uh the low four four number um and, and he honestly might be the best pass catching back in this class or, or at least in the top three um i still do kind of see him as a change of pace guy in a timeshare a lot of backs nowadays are in timeshares so it, it is what it is um but but if i'm gonna put my money on one guy that's kind of like this the the smaller uh pass catching back or whatever then i'm gonna i'm gonna hitch my wagon to cook and hope that he can be an Austin Eckler type at the next level rather than just be Theo Riddick or Gio Bernard or something like that or somebody who's just going to be a change of pace guy. Yeah, I will say with James, I'll start with James Cook. I did have him, I think I had him maybe top seven before I really dove in just because of his, you know, what I've seen receiving ability. I think he can be elite, you know, receiving. And, um, you know, he, he did show some um, some good running between the tackles. My thing is just, it seemed like he just did not break very many tackles. Like what no. you, and I would like to see him a little bit more. And that's actually why I put Tyler Beatty in front of him because I think they are similar and, but Beatty could um, break more of those tackles. So I know you have him lower. Um, what, what are your thoughts on him? Um, kind of the same thing as James Cook, just not as good in your opinion. Yeah, kind of the size, and I did the size, obviously. Um, but uh, but the thing with him, very productive at Mizzou. He was awesome for C two C leagues last year. I don't know if you had any shares, but I was freaking awesome having him. Um, but he, um, I didn't find him as dynamic as of a, of a runner. I found him, you know, for a guy that size, I expected just to be a little bit more quick, a little bit more, you know, uh, sudden in his movements, a little guy who was able to make a, more things happen at the second level, create a little bit more. And I didn't find him that dynamic. I don't, just me personally. I know that he did have the power, which was nice to see, but I also found him running into guys instead of, 
you know, trying to get around them. And I don't know if that's going to work at the next level for a guy that of his size, taking on hits like that, taking on power. I kind of wanted to see him be a little bit more elusive at his size. Um, so I, again, I'm only going to bank on one or two or a few of these guys every year. And right now I'm going with James cook and the rest are just, I'm just dropping for now. No, I, that, that's totally understandable. Um, I do wonder with, with him, uh, Tyler Beatty, if when on a different offense, cause that Missouri offense was like him, you know, everyone knew he was getting the ball. But it was also late in games and in, in blowouts too, kind of, which is kind of like yeah. a hard kind of thing to quantify too. Definitely. But, yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, and, you know, kind of looking at some other ones, I'm going to say I was higher on Damian Pierce before I went back and looked at the tape. And I just don't know how dynamic he is, but you have him, you know, in your top 10. So talk about him and Keontae Ingram, because I didn't even have Ingram in my top 20. So what, what do you, what do you get? What do you see? Shame on you for not having Ingram in your top 20. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll start here with Pierce. You know, I just think this was a guy who never really, really received a full workload and can really get into, um, a, a rhythm as a runner. Um, was there with Dan Mellon, who, who used to be the head coach for Florida. He always used to love to rotate his backs. He had specific roles for them a lot of the time. Um, some people are going to hold that against them. And I don't necessarily think that's unfair, but we see this in college in times. We always say, you know, uh, talent over situation in the NFL. Um, but in college, I honestly think that that can be different sometimes. Um, it's almost the opposite where, you know, the scheme is really king, the scheme that these coaches bring along with them all the time, uh, where guys just slip into to certain roles, all different levels of talents, all different types of players, but they still get the same kind of type of workload that the previous guy got in that, in that, in that system or uh, get the same amount of production that that guy got the same amount of touches. It's just a lot of the time people just have systems and, and Dan Mullen was kind of like one of those guys. So, so me personally, I don't hold it against him as much. Um, and, and I kind of like this tape. Um, um, I guess there's a little bit of background here because obviously I'm a Debbie guy. You're a Debbie guy. We're on decoding Debbie. Um, I've been a fan of Damian Pierce for a long time. A guy that uh, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter as well, a guy by the name of Adam Lewis, big big Florida Gator fan. I used to work with him at breakout finder as well. He kind of, we've kind of been on the strain together, kind of just following Damien for a long time. You know, I actually have him sitting on like multiple Debbie rosters of mine. Uh, that, that And it's been, a, it, I thought he was, he was good for dead, but I was happy to see that the NFL kind of like is starting to like him. Um, so I, I, you know, I had, I have a couple shares from his freshman and sophomore season. Um, and, and he kind of has a lot of stuff that I like too. He's got the size, the five ten, the two eighteen. what you like to see. I, I found him surprisingly twitchy. Um, kind of had that lateral agility. I, d I didn't think he was even, he, he was kind of like in that mold of C8 uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who was like a little, like kind of a, a shifty little, little ping pong. Didn't really have that, that extra gear uh, nimble on his feet. And he brings a little more size to it as well. And I kind of find that it found that he had that, that power too, that a guy like CH didn't have. Um, you got that thick lower half has those big legs that kind of churn for extra yards and bounce off tacklers. You know, this was a guy who averaged uh, over three and a half yards per carry in all three of his years or all four of his years at, at Florida. Um, it's got some elusiveness too. I mean, this is a guy who was forced almost 40 tackles or 40 missed tackles on 87 attempts last year. So, I mean, he was, almost half the time he's forcing a missed tackle uh, on his runs and he earned PFF's number one rushing grade out of everybody in the country. And like, so, so that was really made me have to have to go back and look at this year too. And I, I was pretty impressed by what I saw. I mean, he's kind of missing that high end speed that you like to see or the production profile that you like to see. So I'm going to understand that uh, why analytic guys aren't going to really be big on him, but I mean, the NFL has been buzzing about him ever since the process started. Sounds like he's got a chance to end up with some pretty good capital. So, so I'm kind of latching on board here. 
And then with Keontae Ingram, another guy that I've kind of been following for a long time. Uh, and again, I'm not, I wouldn't say that like number 10 and nine are like super high for rankings in this class, kind of not, not the greatest class as well, but these are just a couple guys that I like to, you know, I've been following him since his freshman days at Texas kind of had like a turbulent career up and down, but he had a really sneaky good season last year. A lot of people don't, you know, really watch those PAC 12 games, stay up late for them. Um, he actually had PFF's highest rushing grade. If you put it at a minimum of hundred attempts, which Damian Pierce missed with the 87 attempts, but if you put it at hundred, he actually had the best. And if you take away that threshold or whatever, he still came out with the third highest, uh, uh out of PFF. Um, he was 15th in yards after contact in the nation. He had 31 yards over t- or 31 runs over 10 yards, uh, which was 10th in the class. He averaged almost six yards per carry last year. I mean, he had a pretty good year for the Trojans last year, and it was kind of under the radar for a lot of people that had kind of pushed them for dead after his lost years at Texas. You know, I think he's a dynamic runner, great vision off the line. Uh, he does kind of that, that, that bait or the, he baits defenders into holes, presses the line really well and is quick enough to find the cutback lane and get out of there. Uh, you know, deception is he deception is the name of the game and he's able to quickly kind of like identify those cutback lanes and play out a structure. Um, Everyone kind of harps on him. There's this one bad drop he had against Texas. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, I mean, uh, against LSU when he was playing for at Texas, uh, dropped in the end zone. Everybody thinks he's a bad pass catcher now, but I honestly think he has really natural hands. I've posted a bunch of clips. If you go search my name uh, on Twitter and Keontae Ingram, you'll find a bunch of stuff. I've been following this guy for years. Uh, I think he's a great pass catcher as well. Made a bunch of plays uh, in his time at Texas. Um, the main issue with his career has just been the inconsistency. Uh, he just, he does display a lot of the things that I'm talking about. Um, but he also had the moment, like when he dropped a touchdown, he's also had moments where he fumbled like four times in six games or, or three times in six games during his, his, uh, sophomore season. And a lot of him come down to nagging injuries too, where it kind of plagued him through his career at Texas. And I think he only played like six games in that sophomore season I was talking about, which pretty much paved the way for Bijan to take over, which eventually led to his transfer and, yeah, yada. So, and then we're looking at how the NFL is valuing him. And um, you got the Shrine Bowl invite instead of a Senior Bowl invite. So, that's already kind of telling you things are kind of going a certain way for him. It might be looking more like a day three pick. So, I was hoping for a little bit more with him. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle for him to have some some life in the NFL. But I, he's a guy I'm rooting for. He's a guy I think has three down skill set. Uh, I might have to go back and look, you know, taking <laughs> your word for that. But I will say with, I will say with Damian Pierce, you know, um, people have shown the clips during the senior bowl in the past pro, like, um, you know, the, the, you know, just, he's very good in that, you know, he was taking people to the ground. So that's going to be another positive. It'll be interesting if he could maybe, you know, get in the fourth round, um, that could be good for him, but a lot, you know, a lot, you know, I kind of put it on the sheet. It seems like there's a lot of, you know, receiving type bats in this one, to, you know, part of a committee. Um, I really like, I would really like to see Tyler Goodson in a more dynamic offense. I thought he looked very elite when he ran angle routes at Iowa. I mean, he would always blow by um, linebackers. Their 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 offense is just so vanilla, and like mm-hmm. you know, it it. I would like to see him on that. And I was actually very pleasantly surprised with Ty Chandler, um, especially with the forty he ran, and I thought he looked pretty good in North Carolina, and he, he looks like he could be dynamic out of the backfield um so you know like we said pretty much after the top three you like my four through 14 i could see like zimir white being four i could see jerome ford being 14 i think Mm -hmm. it's pretty interchangeable but before we move on from running match you put it on twitter let's talk about pierre strong and ah okay and um (laughs) 
you know, everyone's been talking him up. Um, a lot of people say in sleeper and like in the CTC space, they're like, you know, he's like the one guy you probably want to, you know, in your dra- rookie drafts or whatever. So I watched the tape and I didn't see much to be excited about. So I want to get your, your opinion um, of what, what you think about him. Yeah, I'm for, for a long time, I'm not even going to lie, I didn't even pay this kid any attention in NFL circles, to be honest. I was not giving him much attention. And then I started seeing all this buzz creeping up and some guys locking them into a top five position. I mean, some of the guys at Debbie Dashboard that, that you frequent in as well, the chat there, very high on him. And I'm like, you guys really like this guy that this much? And they're like, yeah, RB4, RB5. I'm like, hey, I got to go back and watch. So I did the exact same thing. I went and watched about four or five games of him. And I just didn't find him to be a particularly particularly dynamic runner. I mean, I, he has some good bursts off the line. He has the speed to make those house calls. But, like, I barely saw him creating yards for himself at the second level. Um, he wasn't very elusive in, in the open field. There was times where he's running straight at a guy, and I'm, like, waiting for him to, like, make a move and, and, and juke him out of his shoes or something like that. And he just, like, runs right into him or, like, bounces off of him and gets to keep going. But, like, why don't you try to make that guy miss or something like that? You know, he really struggled to avoid tacklers at the, at the second level. Um I found he was kind of a guy who just ran everything straight forward, uh, was good at following his blockers, using some speed in the open field. But even that 4-3 number, you pointed out on Twitter too, there was times I saw him getting caught from our 4.340 number I'm talking about. There was times I saw him get caught from, from behind as well. And, and I didn't think that that 4.3 number necessarily showed on tape all the time. Um, just ov- overall, like I wasn't that impressed by this guy. He didn't seem any more like an average day three back to me to a UDFA priority free agent. Um, kind of, he just kind of has some interesting athletic traits that I think kind of popped on a lot of people's radar, um, was used as a decent weapon as a receiver. So I guess there's some upside there, but I mean, low level of competition, um, right at the bare minimum for the, for the size threshold you want to see. I think everybody is kind of really just trying to find the next Elijah Mitchell after last year, which is a truly rare case, especially for backs of that size. Um, and I really think backs of that size get a little more wiggle room with a guy like Shanahan who's willing to play these guys. And not everybody in the NFL is going to be willing to play them like Shanahan did. So I think it's going to take special circumstances to work out for him. Yeah, definitely. I think the speed thing, I did not see that kind of speed that he showed on his 40 on tape very often. I agree with what you're saying. A lot of like, if you open up holes, yeah, you know, he can, he can do it, but I, he didn't look overly, you know, elusive. And for someone that's coming from that kind of competition, I need to see like him dominate more that type of competition. Um, And, you know, kind of with like Malik Willis, you see those like mouth dropping like plays. And while I was watching Pierre Strong, I just didn't really see, I just saw a guy that, you know, could outrun some people he's probably better than, but I didn't see a lot of skill to at least keep him, you know, he might very well get drafted, but I didn't see what the hype that, you know, everyone's been talking about. Yeah, I know. I agree with you there. I just, uh, if you're looking at my list right here and yours actually as well, and then I realized we don't even have him ranked and and I'm comfortable with that. I'm going to let the NFL tell me if I should really be focusing on this guy at all. If they end up taking him with a high draft capital, then maybe I'll start taking him a little more seriously. But right now in my evaluation, I did not find him any more special than uh, different guys at the bottom of this list. Okay. Now let's move on to wide receivers. We both have Garrett Wilson one. We're still standing strong with Traylon Burks at two. We're not like everyone else dropping him for, you know, when he's been the same player, it's been the same player this whole time. Yeah. We knew, we knew his weaknesses. I mean, route running and everything, but part of that, I don't, I'll blame that on him because I think the way Arkansas's talent was, 
They just had to get him the ball in whatever situations, you know, to create yards. So it was a lot of, you know, behind the line stuff, a lot of short stuff because they haven't had the best quarterbacks. Um, but against Texas A&M, he burnt, you know, one of their corners on that go route. Um, I think he's really good getting a release. Uh, he is, you know, has great hands um, in, in contested catches. You know, people talk about Drake London, but Traylon Burtz is right up there, I think. So, so yeah, you know, no really, um, you know, I've kind of made this known. I'm not a huge Drake London fan, um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I still think he's a good player. I just would like the other five I have in front of him. But depending on where he gets drafted situation, I could clearly see me putting him over Dotson based on that um, because they're different types of receivers, but I could see London making that way. And London could very well um, make it higher. I just don't see him having the um, the high ceiling that other play other people do. Um, I think short to intermediate, he's really good. You know, he's a really mm -hmm. good route runner. Um, he's able to, you know, body off defenders and get separation there. It's just down the field. That's why I just kind of wonder his, um, you know, if if more teams kind of play closer to him than the Pac-12 did, will he get as much of that yard after the catch and everything? But, um, you know, I totally see that. You know, we're right there with uh, Jamison Williams and Chris Olave. Um, I think they are very close for me, um, both of them. Um, they're kind of interchangeable for myself. And then you just have dots in one spot low we have Pickens, same spot i think our, we both probably have the same concerns with him um injuries and then you know the you know is he going to put out the effort every play and become more of a mm. dominant receiver um you know uh and then you have um this is kind of where we both really start to differ you have mechi up next mm -hmm. um so tell me like what you really like about mechi is it partially you know the kind of the Bama bump, you know, because, you know, those wide receivers of Bama seem to go kind of high in the draft or what, what exactly do you really like about Mechie? Yeah. You know, I gotta be honest. I kind of struggle with why people are even kind of low on Mechie or seemingly so low, to be honest. I mean, we're not even that far apart, I guess. What are we four spots apart or something or yeah. No, yeah, five, four. four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even that bad, but I mean, Right off the bat, like you say, you're talking about an Alabama wide receiver. Bama just continues oh. to put these guys in the NFL producing. Uh, Mechie is very much in that mold of, of the kind of wide receivers that, that uh, Alabama's had recently. Um, you even listen to the way Saban talks about him. They talked about him his, his sophomore year, talked about him this year. Uh, can has nothing but praise for this guy. Nothing but praise. Says he's he's comes in, works hard, does everything right. And I, I honestly think what Saban is saying is going to ring loudly on NFL years. And that's why we're still seeing him hold that that pretty good mock draft spot on the mock draft database. And I really do think he's a pretty well-rounded player. He's he's twitchy. He's a nuanced route runner who gains separation pretty easily. Um, see some of the clips in the, in the red zone. You see some of the clips, uh, even when he's knocking the ball, if you have your, your chance to look at all 22, this guy's getting open quite a bit. His athleticism looks fine to me. He's a, he's a hands catcher, uh, catches the ball away from his frame. We didn't get to see him test because of, uh, because of the injury as well, which is unfortunate. I would like to see what he would have test, you know, and a lot of people want to talk about um, his sophomore season too, where the production kind of tailed off at the end of the year. Um, but uh, their little context there dealing with the ankle injury um, that a lot of people didn't even realize Saban continued to praise him week in week out for 
getting out there and dealing with this injury. So it's a high character guy, high, like blue collar guy that I really like to see. Uh, I like I like those things about him. Um, had a great season last year, uh, over a thousand yards, 75% catch rate. Maybe his size isn't overpowering. Um, he's probably destined for an inside role at the next level, but I still think he can be productive for your team. Like we said, once you're passing, like, I don't know, like, like the point where we're getting very different there, right at about seven, you can really see any of these guys kind of move all around the board at this point. Uh, this is, this is kind of the RB three spot on the running back side where like anything kind of change after this. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move around or whatever, but I just think that uh, he can be pretty, pretty productive at the next level. Maybe he can be like a, if Sterling Shepard would have been healthy and actually given us a full season at one point, like maybe he can be that kind of guy, that slot receiver on the next level who gets a lot of catches and is really productive for your team. A lot of things you're saying is kind of why I'm kind of high on uh, Jahan Dotson, just, you know, the mm-hmm. game in the slot. Dis- discount um, Dotson. Yeah, yeah <laughs> because, you know, I, I think the NFL really is moving to, they want to get you in space. They want people that separate, make it easier on quarterbacks. So those kind of players, obviously, you know, London and Pickens, you know, outside guys, more physical guys. Um, let's now talk about someone that, I don't see the hype either. Either we're pretty close on a ranking on Christian Watson. I watched mm-hmm. his tape, and it's obviously better than the you know how I feel about Pierre Strong. But I've done some mocks where Christian Watson is going like the fourth wide receiver in the first okay. round, and I'm like, that's fine. I'll I'll take that. And then I've been able to get Dotson in the second round because of that, and I'll I'll take that all day. Sell so Watson. You know they used him in some. Some runs, to me, it just looked like they they just sent him deep, and if he was faster than the um, than the defender, you know, he'd be wide open. He struggles, you know, with with um, technique catching the ball sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I guess from you know, I start off in the senior bowl, and then I guess the combine. But it seems like he's really getting talked up. But I don't know if it's necessarily getting talked up as much in NFL circles more as like, you know, the fantasy circles trying to move him up. Yeah. I think a lot of this relates to like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember like your first couple of years playing dynasty or like when a new rookie would come in, you'd look at, well, well, what's how big is he? Well, how fast does he run? Oh, he's awesome. I'm going to grab this guy and whatever. So like, I think it's that bare minimum, like, like uh, evaluation sometimes that really gets a lot of people kind of hyped on this guy. But I, I saw a lot of the same things you did really nice athlete uh, is a guy who can decelerate and accelerate really well. That was one thing I had on tape is actually pretty well at breaking in on his routes um, can, can break really well. Uh, shows off his vertical as well, a guy who can jump and, and attack the ball. So I see those kind of tools that people are talking about, but this guy is just so much more raw than a lot of people are willing to, to talk about. Um, my main sticking point is how much of a project he's going to be at the next level and if he's going to receive that ample time to kind of become uh, that guy. He's kind of a very wild route runner, uh, makes you wonder about timing issues and and things when when a lot of these offenses are working in a very rhythmic uh, scheme. Um, struggles to locate the ball, uh, inconsistent catching the ball as well. Ball's going right through his hands where he's wide open, and you're kind of just wondering what the hell is going on. Pretty low level of competition, uh, even analytically didn't really break out till his third year. Did hit some some threshold points, um, but I mean, this is a fifth-year guy at this point, which isn't something that's, that a lot of people like to see. But he's, he's a project at the next level, and he's not going to be ready for the field day one, except maybe if you're going to send him to run some go routes and see what he can do. But at the price he's going right now, I'm pretty much out. Yeah, definitely. So um, I just want to mention, we talked about Traylon Burks. So my thing with him is I could definitely see him going in the second round now, just based on, you know, everything I'm hearing. 
But to me, that doesn't bother me. You know, I think receivers, first, second round, they're going to play. So if I believe in his talent, if he even goes like the seventh receiver, that still doesn't bother me because I'm just going based on what I think he can do on the field. And, you know, kind of like what happened with uh, DK Metcalf falling into the second mm-hmm. round, you know, same type of thing. They were worried about what kind of routes he could run and all all that. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just weird that the Bert – I mean – I guess people thought he was going to test better, but I mean, I saw plenty of speed on the tape. So that the, the speed doesn't bother me at all. No, 22 miles per hour in college he was recorded at. That's like, that would be within like the top 10 of the, of everybody, every ball carrier in the NFL last year, according to next gen stats. So, I mean, this guy has the speed. I don't know why everybody's worried about that. He's not just a manufacturer touch guy as well. He was this year a little bit. Uh, and I'll say that, but what's, what's so wrong with wanting to get the ball in, in your guy, in your best playmaker's hands. The same thing with like Waddle and stuff like that back in his year, there was a lot of screens. People weren't calling him a manufacturer touch guy. It's just because like you said, KJ Jefferson is, is a quarterback that I kind of like for CTC leagues and stuff like that, but he's a, he has a great deep ball and he gets the ball to trail on Burks. And that's pretty much his best assets. And that's pretty much what they did. They gave it to him, let him make plays in space or threw it to him deep. And I mean, even before this year, it was like all deep stuff and all stuff intermediate uh, since his freshman year. And, and th- this isn't a stiff guy. This is no whatever. This is a guy who returned punts in his freshman year as well, was like leading the or, or like third in the SEC and in, in punt return average to uh, great open field vision. Um, so, I mean, all these things make a lot of tools that I'm pretty excited about to see what can happen at the next level of Burks. And, and like you said, second round is not a bad thing. We see plenty of second round receivers outperform first round receivers and so on and so forth. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, yeah, I agree with all of that. So, and then um, the last receiver that I just can't quit, I can't quit. He was the first wide receiver <laughs> I studied. Um, Wandale Robinson, you know, I know he needs to go to a certain situation and, you know, and if he doesn't, you know, he might get buried on a depth chart and everything. Uh, do you – I mean, I did the same thing with Rondale last year. <laughs> do you see a similar type situation where just if he goes to a team that is not super creative, he's just not going to get – you know, it's just – you can't just throw like two little two-yard passes to him. you got to move him around and do mm-hmm. those type of things. And that that's my only worry with him is – I mean, I think he did more down the field than Rondale in college, but I yeah. think Rondale's a better athlete. So um, what is, what are your thoughts on Wandale at the next level? Yeah, like Wandale kind of reminded me of, which is a guy that I'm a little higher on than you, probably for size reasons mostly, which was Khalil Shakir, um, a guy that I thought did a lot of the same things that Rondale did. Both were very sudden in their routes. Both were very versatile, uh, plays out of the backfield, uh, jet sweeps. Uh, being used as a gadget guy, being used down the field a little bit more too. But the thing that really hurts me with him is that size. I mean, he was listed at 5'10 forever, and I was a lot more in at that point. He was closer. I think he was even closer to like 190 or one listed at 185 or something like that. 5'10, 185, I think was his listing. And he came in at 5'8 and under 180 pounds. Well, like right there is a big red flag for me. Um, I don't think there's been many NFL receivers who have been successful at that size. Um, I was definitely hoping for some more Rondale-esque athleticism out of him. Um, he didn't test bad, but he didn't test like crazy good. I mean, even Shakir at a bigger size, I think, tested better than him, um, which is uh, unfortunate. I was hoping at that size he was going to bring that elite speed, at least maybe test more like a Calvin Austin type or something like that. Um, I think he's probably destined for a slot role at the NFL, and I think the NFL is probably viewing him as a gadget player, but that's just my opinion on it. I know there's a lot of people out there that are a lot higher on him, but 
with the size and the type of role that I'm kind of expecting for him. Uh, that's why he's a little bit lower in my rankings. Yeah, definitely. I get that. I just think if, if an offense can get him in space, cause I think he has like one, one of the like best, like after the catch guys that I've, I've, I've seen. Um, but obviously, you know, there, there's limitations. <clears throat> so, you know, and I could see him going to a team and just be used sparingly maybe the first or second year, and then maybe getting him more, you know, I definitely think he might be a guy that you'd have to keep on your tatsy a couple years mm-hmm. until he can fully <clears throat> take, you know, do all that for you. All right. Let's see if there's anything. Oh, just on Shakir. I was a little disappointed in his route running. Mm. Um. I thought he was like, you know, like you said, good sunness and everything. I just thought he was going to be a better route runner. Um, so I think that's why I low, lowered him. But like I said, like we said with these receivers, I could see, you know, all these moving around. Uh, I will say um, for uh, rookie drafts, I think this year um, in the third or fourth round, so especially wide receiver, you could get wide receivers that could make an impact their first year. Um, you could get some of these guys – Guys later, um, you know, guys like, you know, Justin Ross or, you know, I have Jalen Tolbert further down or even Shakir. I think there's more. Um, it's a really deep wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have those, uh, you know, the, the elite elite guys like a Jamar Chase. But I think there's a, a ton of options. And uh, with more teams going to, you know, uh, three or four wide receiver sets, I could see some of them definitely um, having some uh, fantasy impact definitely their first year. A lot of speed in this class. Yes. As we saw in the combine when everyone was going crazy about the 40 times and everything. Yeah. Tons, tons of speed. So we'll finish up with uh, tight ends. It's not the greatest class, but I'm a little higher on it than a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, I saw the biggest difference was you had a likely and woods, um, you know, um, high on your list. Is that just because of their receiving ability? Um, it's kind of partly that uh, Isaiah Likely was a, a great C2C guy who, who you may have, might have had a share of last year watching him at oh, excuse me Coastal Carolina. Very versatile guy. Um, a mismatch down the seam was breaking runs constantly, taking runs to the house, taking balls to the house. Um, so there is that little bit of uh, of receiving upside there. Very uh, a very good vertical threat. I would have liked to see him test. I don't know what his testing numbers are at. Uh, he's a little bit small for the tight end position, I guess, at 6'4". It's not a great class overall, but he is a guy that I think showed a lot of ability to be translatable at the next level, especially as a as a vertical weapon. And and Jelani Woods, I mean, this is all just upside for me. And I mean, that's that's really what we're looking for at the tight end position is is kind of these these guys with high high end athleticism who are going to maybe become top 12 tight ends who really doesn't take much to do that. But I mean, we're looking at guys kind of like even like a Logan Thomas or a Darren Waller who were converted quarterbacks like Jelani was who took a little bit of time to learn the position or not, not, not all uh, converted quarterbacks. Waller was a wide receiver. He converted from a wide receiver, but, but still took time to learn the position. Um, But they just have amazing upside due to their size and athleticism. Um, I think Jelani fits that to a T. Even Grado was a pretty decent blocker. Had the number one uh, RAS score um, in in 
for all tight ends, I'm pretty sure, ranked as number one in like the history of RAS. And which is, take it with a grain of salt, I guess, because I'm pretty sure the last guy was Sammy Reyes, who's with Washington right now, was drafted last year or two years ago. That hasn't really gone the field yet. Still some upside there. We have no idea what's going to happen there. We'll see what happens. But that's really what it comes down to for me with Jelani. He's like a freight train, pretty much. He grabs the ball running through dudes. He has the speed and power that's just hard to break down. But he is kind of just like a lumbering giant out there. That's not running the crispest routes, not doing the most technical things, but there's just a lot of upside there. And that's what I'm buying into with Jelani. No, I can totally see that with likely uh, my comparison to him is kind of like um, how the Titans use Johnny Smith. Mm-hmm. Like they just move him around, put him in the backfield, just kind of just get him in space because he's such a good athlete. Um, I will say he's not a great blocker, but to yeah. me, he's a willing blocker. Like he tries to block. So if they fits that technique a little bit, I think he could, you know, be you know, an average blocker. And I think my biggest thing for tight ends is, at least this year, is I think some of these that I have in the top are, like, really good blockers, so they get on the field. And as long as you're on the field um, at the tight end position, I think that that's, you know, half the battle, at least, for fantasy production. Kind of like Pat Frymuth last year, you know, he was a really good blocker, and then he started getting on the field more, got some touchdowns, then they trusted him more. Um, and I think – Two things for uh, Dolkic and Rucker that are good is they wind up in the slot quite a bit this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rucker 40%, Dolkic 36%. So that shows a little more versatility where Trey McBride uh, lined up uh, 70% of the time in line. Um, and I do wonder about um, Trey McBride and his, you know, not getting that many touchdowns. If I remember right, Colorado State ran the ball a lot down near the goal line. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much Colorado State you watched last year. Um, their offense wasn't dynamic, but I mean, he was always open. You know, the highest target is good hands, um, and he's a ferocious blocker. So that's one thing I definitely like from the tight end position. And another guy, once I watched the tape, I really like Kate Otten. Um, he was obviously mm-hmm. disappointing this year, but that whole Washington offense had, was a mess this past year. Um, and he doesn't have a ton of production, but Washington hasn't necessarily thrown to the tight end a ton um, the last four years. In 2020, the tight ends only had 25 targets, and in 2018, only 50 targets when he was a freshman. But um, I just want to get your opinion at least on um, Otten and Ruckert. And, you know, are we thinking that Trey McBride might go maybe day two and then these other tight ends – are, are going to go much later or do you see, you know, a couple maybe going on day two? Yeah, I think Trey McBride's probably your most complete package here with the receiving ability and the blocking. If there's one guy I'm going to bet on to go near the top of the draft in day two uh, or high day three or whatever, by the time somebody takes tight end, it's going to be Trey McBride. I know Greg Dulcich is getting some, some buzz out there too. Horrendous blocker though. Um, really graded out poorly as well. PFF had like one of the lowest grades, like in the class, like 29, like it was so low, but <laughs> I mean, he's converted wide receiver. That's, that's really what you're going to expect from him. He's a great, great weapon there. Um, who would you ask me about Ruckert as well? Ruckert, uh, very interesting guy. Didn't really get a lot of the play time there, um, at OSU, uh, wanted to see a little bit more from him, uh, spent 40% of the slaps, uh, in, in 2021, which is something you like to see that versatility, um, graded out as a pretty good blocker as well. So that's what, that's, uh, what you like to see. And I think the other guy you said was was Auten? Was that who you're talking about? Yeah, I was talking about Auten. Yeah, again, just I don't think you're crazy to be super infatuated with him. I mean, I just I um 
tight ends are kind of a crapshoot this year. So who am I really to say who you're crazy or not? He's been a good player for Washington. Gets asked to block a lot for them though in their in their offense. Not wasn't at, really gotten the ball a lot, especially this past year. Um, Washington's had some success putting tight ends in the NFL though, so maybe he could be the next guy in line. He's kind of been a forgotten man, especially this past year where he missed a lot of time as well. So uh, it's a shame we couldn't get any testing on him or anything like that. But 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 yeah, he, he's a pretty good player, pretty good all around player. One of these guys who maybe are like a George Kittle or something like that, who who blocked for most of his career and can maybe be more of a receiving weapon at the next level. He's shown some, some spurts of that, which is really nice to see. So I, I don't think it's totally crazy to have him that high. Yeah. And the last thing um, I've seen, like, especially in tight end premium mocks, um, uh, rookie mocks, I've been a part of Trey McBride going somewhere late in the first. And to be totally honest, I don't see Trey McBride that big of a hit to mm-hmm. get him that high. So I'm, I'm fine in the third or fourth round getting like an Otten or a Rucker or even, you know, any of these tight ends, because I think they, you know, they could be just as uh, productive as McBride and you're getting them, you know, two rounds later. So uh, this would definitely be one year. I'm not going to be in a hurry to draft a tight end in, in my rookie drafts. Yeah, I'll be honest. I completely shun the tight end position in rookie drafts, in Devi, in just about everything. I just attack it at the NFL level, it's, except for C2C where you're just looking for production. So I'm just looking for those guys who are productive, which aren't always the guys who make it to the NFL. Um, but I'm pretty much shunning it. I'm grabbing these guys at the, at, the, at the next level. I mean, guys that we never expected to even be the top guys, like, like Mark Andrews is like a third-round pick. Darren Waller was a wide receiver. George Kittle was a blocking tight end in the fifth. These guys, like... He, he, don't you we aren't expecting to be huge and then all of a sudden they become huge at the NFL level and there's a lot of guys that pop up as well that you don't need to take like one in Devi or something like that or or one at necessarily in a rookie draft that you could that you can try to trade for or something at the at the next level as well so I'm I'm pretty off on investing in them a lot of the time they spend time on your roster and just have to stew away there and hope something happens outside of like maybe the top guys. But then even you got guys like Noah Fant, who's really who, how helpful has he been? And he's been, he was like the best tight end in generations or Evan Ingram and stuff like that. So it's really a crap shoot to me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm letting it happen and then attacking once I see it happen. Definitely. Yeah. I've learned to not go as high on Debbie tight ends because after his freshman year, you know, I, I think I did a couple startups and I picked up uh, Eric Gilbert and mm-hmm. it's been a, it's been quite a roller coaster ride. It hey, that like might he be might, bouncing back. That might, yeah, be, bouncing it might back. be bouncing back. <laughs> but I know, especially in tight end premium leagues, some people like reach on tight ends. I would much rather get the skill, more skilled, you know, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. And then, like you said, you can find a tight end um, because it's not that hard to be a top twelve tight end. Usually, week to week, you just mm-hmm. need someone that's going to catch a touchdown. You kind of can, you know, roll the dice. One thing I'll say. You said there's some players that you're rooting for. One player I'm really rooting for is Cole Turner. I know, mm-hmm. you know, he's not very high. He was pretty much on, because I had Carson Strong on a lot of my C2C leagues. Um, he actually, you know, uh, Strong and him helped me get the uh, get the championship in uh, nice. the program on the college side. So, I mean, he's limited, you know. It's, it's weird. He has a big body, but... Like sometimes he can be really physical and then sometimes he looks very weak, you know, like corners will push him down when he tries to block him. Uh, his routes are pretty limited. Uh, you know, if it's not a seam or a fade in the end zone, you know, that's pretty much what they did. So a lot of work with him, but he's another one. Probably won't even need to be drafted in, in rookie drafts, but someone I'll try to probably pick up 
uh, free agency and, you know, put on a taxi squad to see because he's just such a huge body and, you know, a team might like to use him in the red zone. Um, I think a lot of these guys are kind of, kind of like that, you know, mm-hmm. not a great um, class. No, definitely not. You're just hoping they get in a situation where they're at least used at some point. So, um, and just kind of wrap it up. I know early on, a lot of people were saying trade all their 2022 picks for 2023. Uh, I don't think the class is as bad as people thought it was. What's your opinion on this class? No, I don't either. I I think that there's some guys here with legit tools that could develop, you know, like even a guy like Rashad White or a guy like Damian Pierce, if he actually gets a guy like Ingram that I really like, or a guy like George Pickens, who's a value right now, who was like my wide receiver one, like two years ago in this class. And maybe even some part of last year before he tore his ACL, like there's a lot of value to be found here and guys who have the tools to, to become really helpful for your, for your dynasty teams. And I think it's actually, there's quite a bit of value here because there's a lot to shake out still. Like they, like your draft picks might become even more valuable when guys start going places. You didn't expect them to go. Like maybe as a mere white or maybe a James cook, or maybe a, a Wandale Robinson or a David bell who's falling could become a nice value again, back in the, if he gets drafted in the third or second round or something. So I really do think that there's some nice value here and, and NFL teams aren't just looking at this and thinking it's, this is a horrible class. We should just, pass it on they're they're planning roles for these guys they're planning for these guys to come in and be legitimate contributors for their team and they're looking for ways to use them so uh, i'm never fully off of uh, of a class like like some people are talking i do think that 2023 right now has some some nice pieces at the top end right now um and that's really one thing that's that's uh, drawing a lot of people to that class but after that i mean the depth is great in this class and i think there's value to be found we're picking apart the 23 class right now we're finding every freaking body that's that's going to be available for that right now that there's not going to be any value in that class to find this is like your one year to find it yeah yeah definitely definitely because i think there's going to be this year too it's going to be so interesting you know one once we see the draft and then in rookie drafts because i have no idea what will happen because usually, you know, like last year, we pretty much knew the the five quarterbacks in like especially super flex leads were going to go very early. But now, I even if all these quarterbacks go first and second round, I could see you know a couple of them falling in the, the second round, and then that kind of you know there's so much varied you know opinion on the wide receivers. You know, some obviously have George Pickens, you know, number one still. So I think uh, it's it's going to be uh, very interesting in everything. So. Uh, have you already started to kind of look at your uh, Devi rankings moving forward, taking all these players out? Yeah, I definitely have. Um, we've got some updated rankings over at Campus Canton to see. Uh, the Devi dashboard is also updating their rankings. Uh, that's not more of a set thing. It's kind of like our, our, our top 100 interesting players that we're really interested in right now. Um, but uh, Campus Canton has our rankings all locked in. We've got freshmen included and stuff like that too. So I'm constantly moving them. Uh, I think my last update was maybe like last month or something like that. So so I'm moving along here. I'm trying to figure out where guys are going to fit in and listen to the spring games and stuff. So where are you at with that process? Yeah, um, you know, I've just finished this rookie. So I've, I've done some uh, the last two shows. I've talked about spring games. So I'm going to kind of um, I, I I just ranked 100 last year. So I think I'm going to go deeper. Do does anything that's happening in the spring games really affect your rankings? Or is it, you know, maybe if someone's tied? And you see that they might have a bigger role or does it, what do you really get from these spring games? 
Yeah, I think it's hard with veterans sometimes, especially guys who get pulled out of games. Guys are expected to have a bigger role and stuff like that. Um, so it's hard to really get sometimes the starting positions. Where I really take away from it is maybe a transfer like Cameron Ward this year, seeing how he does with the first-team offense. Maybe a transfer like Spencer Rattler. How is he fitting in? A transfer like Jackson Dart, who didn't have the greatest game uh, with Ole Miss. Or I like to see the freshman guy like Javante Barnes for Oklahoma right now, getting a lot of run with the first team and the second team, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. The, um, but yeah, freshmen, I like to see, I like to see that they're getting big roles, being trusted by the staff to really run some, uh, to do some bigger roles and being trusted with, with more touches and stuff like that. But there's really nothing you're going to gain from your Bryce Youngs and your CJ Strouds and your stuff like that. And the, the starting wide receivers and stuff like that, there's nothing really to gain from there. And even when they're holding guys out, it's hard to even pick what's the, the depth chart's going to be right now. Yeah, definitely. And and it all de- depends on how the spring games are structured because sometimes they split up players so you can't really tell who's on the first team or whatever. And uh, I do think, you know, once all these spring games are done, we're going to see another big um, push of all these transfers for players that are, you know, further down on the depth chart and everything. So, uh, you know, that's definitely going to be interesting. So, um, but so, yeah, so that's it for the show for the rookie rankings. Corey, thanks for coming on. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, let's talk about these rankings. We actually, uh, you know, there were more alike than I thought there would be. So, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, um, I knew the Drake London was going to be a little different cause you, you left my side on the, on the, on the Drake London thing, you know, on the, or on the <laughs> pro Drake London side. I'm, I think I'm alone on that Island now. <laughs> no, but, I wasn't, I was there last year, but he did impress me with some of the things he did this year. He, he answered a lot of the questions that I had running out of the slot last year. So uh, yeah, he, he did climb for me and NFL seems to freaking love this guy. So. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, even though I'm not super high on him, I do think he improved a lot from last year. So I will say that too, but yeah. Um, yeah so Corey will um, you're at campus of Canton and I'll put a link to for the um, uh, Debbie deep dive or anything there. So anyone that watches the video can, can check that out. So um so thanks guys for watching and make sure to subscribe to the IV, IDP guys channel. I also subscribe to the, uh, to the website or get the rookie guide. We have offensive and defensive profiles. I did, a you know, I think 12 of the offensive profiles. So uh, we'll be back with some more uh, spring game information next week. And uh, thanks for uh, listening. Mm-hmm.